You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. When we are secure, can we walk out of the hand of God uh, volitionally, or are we in his hand securely once we belong to him? Let me differentiate. If I understand her question, we are secure in our salvation, but that does not mean that we cannot willfully choose a sinful lifestyle. Say another way, I think many believers are following Christ, but many believers choose to live unfaithfully. They live in Mm -hmm. sin. So if she's asking about the security of salvation, it rests upon Jesus' work in our place on our behalf instead of us, not some measure, which is hard to quantify, of our faithfulness or unfaithfulness. And I know a lot of Christians like to... You know, talk about characteristic sin and a lifestyle of sin. I, I want to be very cautious because we all know men and women who have a clear understanding of the gospel. They, they have by, you know, we talk about fruit, which I think is a misapplication of that passage. But we look at a person's life and we say, they've been, they've been a faithful believer. Uh, and then they go wonky. They live in sin. They come out. They choose a lifestyle that's obviously in contrast with the Bible. I'm not ready to race and say based on their uh, current, current state, sin, yeah, uh-huh. that they're that they're lost now, or they were never saved, right? Uh huh. Right now, that's possible. Sure, it's, it's possible. But I'm not going to run to that conclusion. I'm going to say, well, maybe they're just a confused, sinning person. Uh, <clears throat> there's a phrase, and I forget one of Paul's letter, where uh, Demas, having loved this present world, left him. And I've always wanted to write mm-hmm. a book called The Way of Demas. You know, we don't know what Demas got into. But apparently he was a disciple and a follower of Paul's, but at some juncture he chose the world over following his Christianity. Huh. Now, does that mean Demas wasn't saved? I don't think so. I think Demas made a choice not to continue in faithfulness. Now, again, there's no proof of that, yeah. but I want to be cautious not to run around saying that person's not a Christian because X. Right. Now, if they're flagrant and they're denying the Bible, denying the gospel, denying you know clear things about Scripture, sure, we can have uh, a reason to say you know maybe they don't get it. Right. But let's right. be very careful saying you know, he or she's not a Christian because they blank X. Yeah, I would just rather not be in the seat of <laughs> determining well, well, if someone's saved or not. We're not to determine it. it. We're also to be wise. Sure. And if you have a person living in gross immorality. And uh, and they're involved in a, a local church and they're leaders. Mm, that's not right, you know. Right. But again, the passage is on discipline, if we want to call them that. Matthew eighteen, Galatians six. Obviously, we are to, and I hate the word the way it's you know used today, but no, we're to judge. Yeah. We're to use a wisdom and say. You can't live with this person. You can't live in immorality. You can't choose this lifestyle and call yourself, identify with that merely because that's what you want. Right. We've got to align this with Scripture. Now, does that mean they're not believers? I'm not ready to say yes and no to that. I yeah. think I think the repentant heart, uh, the work of Christ's Spirit in helping a person come to repentance is powerful. And uh, I've known people, for example, in the LGBTQ world who have come to Christ early in life uh, were identified with those things and came back later and said, you know what? I've been living a lie. This yeah. is wrong. Yeah. And they're very vocal and loving and kind to say, you can't call yourself by some acronym. A gay Christian. Your or, identity yeah, yeah. is in Christ, not in, you know, X, Y, Z. So I, I, I applaud men and women who are, you know, who are willing to say, I want to submit to the spiritual work in my life, the scriptures work in my life. 
as I often say, God's word, God's spirit, God's people. Right. Uh, and again, I'm rambling, but my salvation is resting on Christ's work, not what I do or don't do. And so you can't lose your salvation Correct. because it was based on Christ's work. So what could you do to undo right. the work of Christ? Right. Okay. Well, I am going to push you to ramble a little bit more though, because I want to hear more about uh, you saying that the passage about um, knowing the tree by its fruit, how that's misapplied. I don't know if I've, if I have heard you talk about it, I've just forgotten. Well, let's, let's talk about the word fruit to begin with. There's, okay. there's a couple of different terms in the new Testament. The primary term in the gospels that Jesus uses is uh, a word called carpones. And so in Matthew seven seventeen is, is uh, 16, 17 is where most folks will know. You will know them by their fruits. Yeah. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles yeah. are they. So every good tree bears good fruit. good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. He's talking about false prophets. Oh, that's that the greater passage. context of that. Uh-huh. So that, that to, to put a fine point on it, um, and then he continues, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Um, and then, so then you will know them by their fruits. So there is a sense, and we can take that principle and move it from false prophets to more of a general application. Sure. But the idea of a good work producing fruit in uh, in kind with your tree production to to follow the imagery, bad tree, good tree. Uh-huh. So is the person a believer? Are they producing fruit? I think it's a bit of a stretch on the passage. Interesting. Now, um, again, Matthew has the same record, either make the tree good and it's fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. And he continues in the same metaphor. Another way of thinking about this is the way John uses the term. And while he talks about fruit in similar ways, he's talking about the branch parable, which is a very interesting story. Every branch, John 15, 2, in me that does not bear fruit, uh-huh. he takes away every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, prunes, so it may bear more fruit. This is one of the simplest and most complicated parables <laughs> Jesus ever used. There are literally, I bet books there are books a thousand dissertations written on this passage alone. Crazy. Uh, and I would call that evangelical, fundamental, conservative, reform passage, yeah. and not, not just at broad strokes. No one agrees on this. Um, some huh. believe it was the believer's works that are pruned. Okay. Some think it's people that aren't truly believers. Yeah. I tend to go with the works yeah. being pruned. Yeah. So I would say in that situation, he's pruning the believer's works that aren't productive. Yeah. Um, and then when we jump to Paul, he uses the term in a number of different ways, but Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, uh-huh. where prior in the passage, he says the deeds of the flesh are evident, Yeah. but the fruit to production of the spirit. So all that to say, um, if a person is a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, that person is being controlled by the Spirit of God, ergo the production in his or her life. By the way, I'm going to argue fruit is singular there. The fruit is love, and all the oh, other lists are manifestations of, of what love. love looks like. Not nine fruits, yeah. but one fruit, love. And under that, we put, you know, love is, has joy, peace, patience, uh-huh. kindness, goodness. Uh, so the overarching control of the spirit results in a person who is loving, not, as he said earlier in Galatians, the deeds of the flesh are evident. If you're controlled by the flesh, this is what you see. So we need to be, you know, someone joked about being fruit inspectors. 
you know, we're not fruit inspectors right. in that sense because that's not our role. Um, so fruit, I, I think, again, a careful study of how the word is used in the New Testament. False teachers, perhaps works and good works. And clearly by Galatians, Paul's use of the term has to do with the result of the Holy Spirit's influence in my life and your life. Uh, so, you know, you see a person that you knew before they knew Christ and they were arrogant and a bombastic and rude and whatever, and they're not that way anymore. Yeah. They're, they think before they speak. Yeah. They're, or when they say something wrong, I had a friend of mine just this week, he was uh, at his physical therapist and they got in this big argument and he was really mean and nasty to her and he texted me and we talked uh, this week and he said, Michael, I blew it so badly. And I said, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you're still human, you know? Yeah. But what was, what I'm glad about was he knew he was wrong. Right. Where a person who is governed by their own ego, their pride, the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're not going to apologize for being mad or feel right. bad. Well, that's what I was going to say. And even, even more so if he chose to go back, I mean, I assume he's seeing his he physical will. therapist all the time. I know him. He's going to go back and apologize for it. And that is going to be a bigger marker or story for her. I mean, I, I, you may remember this. I was like a very cruel high school student to one of my science teachers. I don't know why I was generally a good kid, but for whatever reason, everyone hated her. I was kind of the ringleader. It was not good. And I was really convicted probably three quarters into the year. And I went up to her, um, before class one day and, and just had to say, I'm not going to say her name just in case. <laughs> Miss Smith, Miss Smith yeah, right? Yeah. Miss Smith. I need you to know that I have I have not been kind to you. I have not been helpful in rallying our class. And I'm I just need to apologize. I'm so sorry for my behavior and I want you to know that as of today it will be different and I'm gonna change. And I mean that that woman's face <laughs> jaw drops, you know, could not believe it. And but it did, and I changed and the and the classroom changed because I really kinda was I was kind of the ringleader. I mean it was not good. I'm not proud of it, but I am great. I mean, of course, I hate that I mistreated her that way and misrepresented Christ in the three quarters of that year, but I will never forget doing that. And I bet she will never forget oh, a student ever yeah. saying that either. And I don't know. That's just the, the kindness and of the Lord's redemption and showing us when we're stupid and need to repent. No doubt. So back to fruit for just a second. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, lose my salvation or get on a bulldogmatic uh, soapbox here. I just think we need to be careful uh, using these terms sometimes. You know, I have this phrase that we have this religious vocabulary and we use it till it becomes meaningless. And that's why I'm a big context guy. Go back and see how these things are used in the situation, where they are in scripture, how other authors use them before you make a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, and I think that guards us. Uh, and I'd rather be a little bit, you know, on the air of be careful with how we use those terms than let them mean anything. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694. Or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain. And you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.